one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Well, welcome back, everybody, to The Howling Salt Mine. Let me take that again. What you almost made it through without having yeah, to do it a was second like time? The, I, it was weird. My I rhythm it wasn't there. It was better than ninety percent of them. <laughs> you dick! <laughs> you evil man! You evil man! <laughs> How dare! Uh, well, welcome back, everybody, to the Howling Salt Mine Podcast, the podcast where we are delving into those salty, salty mines of the Magic: The Gathering subreddits, finding the saltiest posts that we can and bringing them back up. To you, our listeners, we're going to be talking about salty situations, gameplay mechanics, gameplay dynamics, and maybe a salty confessional. As always, I'm your host, Sam, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Mike. Say hey, Mike. Hello there. And we're also joined by our friend, Pat, today. Hey, Pat. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Tony is traveling. So he's not here today. It's actually funny because Tony is in New England. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like maybe within 30 minutes of where Mike lives right now, but he's just busy. Busy man. And he didn't bring his microphone. So yeah. A chance to usurp the throne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does have the highest win rate, right? Yeah. <laughs> so by proxy, I also do until I'm off this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to hate blue. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> a bridge too far. I'll, I'll go back to having my sub 18% win rate. Then. <laughs> yeah. Blue stays on the table. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Yeah, blue, the stays blue stays on. The blue stays on. Untapped. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's actually really poignant that we're talking about that because we got a great question today about blue oh yes it's actually amazing thank god we don't have our resident debbie downer to just shit all over it i appreciate it (laughs) now we can take a moment to enjoy the silence after a counter spell (laughs) (laughs) the solitude of it (laughs) and we're not talking about white cards (laughs) don't get in a fury you'll need endurance for this game oh boy (laughs) <laughs> and whatever the black one is that no yeah. one cares about. <laughs> <laughs> right? Great grief. Yeah, what even is that? I have no idea. The new evoke ones? Does, does, it, fuck does it put is it grief? Oh, is it grief? Yeah, that's why I said good grief. Oh, man. Oh, oh, oh wow. You're... Pun <laughs> game on, the... on point. And I came you, ready. We have no idea. Oh, it is grief. It is Dude, grief. Pat, I think, I think Tony might be usurped effectively <laughs> just with that one move. Bye. <laughs> I'm like a skilled fencer with puns. And the most annoying thing about that cycle, if people have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, we're talking about the modern horizons two elemental evoking cycle. So there's one for each color. There's grief for black. The big ones are solitude for white, uh, which is basically a swords to plowshares on a creature and then endurance for green which like puts your graveyard on top of your deck. Like it's a really interesting effect to bring things back 
into your deck, but also fuck over Thassa's Oracle players. So those see a lot of play. And then there's a couple others too. The thing that bugs me the most about um, Fury, which is the red one, it like comes in and deals four damage, which is sick. Obviously you can pitch a card, bring it in, like it makes it super cheap, but it doesn't have flash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we only realized that like <laughs> I traded it to Mike. <laughs> so many games in. I had like a really nice one that was like oh, you played full it art with foil flash. and we put it into Magda. I traded yep. it to Mike. I was like, dude, this is going to be gas. And he was like, yo, this is sick. And then we played it incorrectly. Like, I don't know, three or four times. And then finally realized that it, it couldn't be used. Is it the only one that doesn't have flash? The red one. Um, I'm pretty sure grief doesn't grief have also flash. does not. Interesting. Okay. But solitude, endurance and subtlety all do Yeah, yeah. critically have flash. I think it's kind of a flavor fail. I think I sort of wish that they were all done equally. Yeah, but you can't. Wizards doesn't give discard effects at instant speed anymore. So that one can't. They would have had to change it. Oh, for grief because it's a discard? Yeah, they don't do discards at instant speed. Like there's a couple effects that do recently, but they have like said outright that they really don't like that. Would Fury have been too powerful as an instant speed? Uh, bolt for four. Too no, it would have been super fair in Magda. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be the best of the the cycle. I don't know if too powerful is the right word, but I think it usurps endurance as the strongest because endurance is considered the strongest in EDH, right? I think solitude is the strongest in modern. Um, I think solitude's got some legs in EDH, but endurance is the strongest because specifically because it can fuck over Thassa's Oracle. Yeah, with yeah. flash. And there are like endurance loops that you can do you, with like endurance and um, oh, I'm going to fuck it up with endurance and a couple other cards. <laughs> oh, I know what it is. Where the, basically you can five. like loop the same spell over and over and over again. It's like the turns loop that a lot of the Simic decks in CDH use, right? Yeah, there, there's a bunch of things where basically with endurance loops, it's endurance and a couple other cards. I think you need infinite mana at the time. And basically you are taking a single spell, casting it, recasting endurance, putting it on top of your graveyard over and over and over again at infinitum. And um, by doing that, you know, you can just cast the same spell over and over again. So you can like beast within someone's entire board and all their lands and shit like that. Like it's, it's very powerful. Wow. Seasons past, right? Yeah. Seasons past does it. Um, I think you can do it with uh what is that human that brings things back from your graveyard? Uh, is it the one from New Capenna? No, it's like a classic staple. Oh, I'm trying to think. Skullwinder? <laughs> classic staple. <laughs> classic staple Skullwinder. It's, it's Let the record Winder, show I am, I am on that train. With... Yes. <laughs> I oh, think man. Skullwinder is a decent card. Have you played it yet? Have you I run Skullwinder it? in more than one deck currently. Yes. Is not yes. even a train. Oh. It's not even trained. Yeah, it's just a caboose, <laughs> a lonely caboose. Yeah, it's a, it's like a broken down caboose. That's such a great way of saying it's got a fat ass, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's we appreciate it. Ass. That's why we love it. Um. Well, like we said at the top, this is a podcast where we're going to be talking about salt, salty stories, and salty situations. So let's get into it, guys. I'm so ready. It's been a while, yes. so I'm very excited for this. Thank you for having me on again. Uh, we're no problem, dude. Stoked to have you back. Thank you. Do you want to? Does someone want to ask me what salt is? 
Oh my gosh. It's my, but Sam, what salt? (laughs) Impression too good. Thanks, Pat. What a great question. (laughs) Salt is frustrations in the game. It is when things are going your way and then they suddenly take a left turn and uh, your board state gets fucked up. Maybe somebody drops a stacks piece that you weren't thinking would come down. Salt can also be when you're sitting down at a table and your opponents are bringing some heavy, heavy heat and you brought your pre-con thinking it was just going to be a nice casual game and you get comboed out on turn four. Uh, Salt can also just be getting overly targeted for no reason. Someone just doesn't like you or maybe you did something to them two weeks ago in a game and they still got a chip on their shoulder. That person is salty and they're about to make you feel that too. (laughs) You know, (laughs) salt is... Salt is a lot of things in this game. There's a lot of different levels of it, different flavors of it. And we're going to talk about a bunch of it today. Hell yeah. Well, shall we get into it, guys? Please. please, Can't wait. We're going to kick this off with some well-aged salt. This is a really old post from the EDH subreddit. This one comes to us from user Solemn Soul. We've used one of their posts before on this show. So if you guys see user Solemn Soul, give them an upvote. Sweet name, dude. Yeah, right. And the post is titled, We Need to Talk About Infect. Mm. And I think this is an appropriate one because I'm pretty sure last time you were on the show, Pat, which we I did believe talk about is episode nine. Yeah, we talked about Infect. So, Well, I'm a fan, so hopefully he doesn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> and the post goes. Lately, I've been playing a lot of Commander online and tried different decks. Mm. One of those was a Roalesque deck that tries to win by proliferating Infect counters. Now, I knew that Infect is not very popular among players, but the overall reaction I got was even worse than I expected, and that got me thinking. In my opinion, the power creep of the format made the Infect strategy barely viable compared to the absolutely insane stuff most popular Commanders are able to do nowadays. Was 2013 seeing a Skitherex scary? Yes. But when was the last time you saw Skittles? But the damage to our collective perception was done. From my experience with it, Infect didn't age well, and in times of Yuriko, Urza, Korvold, Fierce Guardianship, and Teferi's Protection, I think we need to reevaluate our view on this mechanic. I would like to know what other people experience playing with or against Infect in the current EDH environment, and if they think the stigma around it is justified. Thank you. Really interesting point here. Mm -hmm. I would like to say I fully agree. And I think there's a bit of an analogy here. Um, So I'll start by reiterating. I agree with the point that Infect has sort of a bad rep, especially in casual EDH. Yeah, I don't think it's nearly as strong as the fear of Infect is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a little similar to how newer players are really scared of Mill when they mm-hmm. first start playing against Mill. Yep. If they see someone pull out a Bruvac or a similar list, they might sort of autofocus that player. And for someone who's new and just thought Mill was cool, that can feel kind of bad because it's just like, oh, I sat down at the table and everyone looked at me and decided I had to leave first. And <laughs> you might not even know why. So yeah, I want to say I agree. I fully agree that Infect has a bad rep and it gets hated on way too much, especially like he said in the days of Yuriko, Korvold and other stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that relation between it and Mill because they have that same effect where it just doesn't matter until the last, like until it kills you. Mill has done in some senses nothing to you until it's milled your last card. Poison 
has literally done nothing to you until you're dead from poison. You know, there, there's obviously the threat of those, but your life total isn't getting impacted at all in the same way that everyone else at the table is potentially trying to threaten you. So I agree. And I think it it definitely comes from a, a broader sentiment, particularly in casual play that slightly frowns on alternative win cons or things that are outside of just straight, pure damage to face. Yeah. So there's this thing with poison, and you kind of mentioned it, Pat, where I think there's this perception with it of it being incredibly powerful. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that most EDH players have had a game experience. Yes. Or maybe two or three or whatever, where poison knocked you out in such a way that you didn't expect it. You were kind of blindsided and you were like, what the fuck? Like this mechanic is cheap. I couldn't do anything against it. And maybe someone chipped in for a single poison counter on you and then proliferated it up to 10 and you just had no way to stop them from proliferating. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was something like Scytherix, you know, this giant, this giant dragon with infect coming in and just like crushing you with Voltron infect damage or maybe it was a tainted strike coming in and you weren't even expecting it yeah and that really fucked you over i mean whatever it is i think poison has this like it has this kind of bad taste (laughs) uh (laughs) being poison it has this like bad taste in your mouth where people see it and they're reminded of the time where it fucked them over so hard and they're like i need to be extra vigilant of this and really stick it to that player now i don't think that that's entirely unfounded some things like Tainted Strike mm. do just come out of nowhere. A single, I think we talked about this in episode nine. It's a single black mana, gives a creature plus one plus O and infect. If you've got a nine damage coming through, nine or more that's not blocked, and someone just drops that on it, any creature, I could put it on Mike's creature and take out Pat. I mean, that stuff, it just seems like such a powerful effect. Yeah, we, we also talked about, uh, I think in episode nine, there was a situation where someone used a proliferate effect to kill someone with infect, like after they had even thought of it as a threat. Yeah. So someone can sort of out of nowhere cast Tezzeret's Gambit and maybe give you an extra poison counter. Mm-hmm. All of that being true, I want to go back to a, a point Mike brought up where in casual alternative win cons are like poo-pooed a bit. Mm-hmm. I do agree with that, but... I almost feel like it should be it should be the opposite though, right? And just as another side point I wanted to bring up, how many dedicated infect decks do you guys play against? Like I run a Nekusar deck that runs Tainted Strike and it runs Phyresis because both of those can give Nekusar infect and it helps me kill someone much faster than having to do the full amount of life. Yeah. Um those are definitely strong cards, but I've played maybe 15 games and I've yet to do it once. So how many dedicated infect decks do you guys see anymore? I don't see any. Yeah, I never do. Also, if it's in your pod. Uh, yeah, I mean, part of that is our our insulated pod. And I also do think that there is a social stigma with infect and people kind of go out of their way to not run it or they splash yeah, it in sort of like true. what you did, Pat. You know, maybe you yeah. have Triumph of the Hordes in there as a win con because uh, it's one mana cheaper and a little bit more effective than Overwhelming Stampede. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, I'm not seeing that. But I will point out that the number one mono green commander on EDH rec is Finn the Fangbearer. He's the number one? Yeah. Whoa. Which is the poison commander. Wow. That's just because he makes such good use of Skullwinder, though. (laughs) 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 Just to get a little one note here. Uh, Please. No, that is kind of wild. Yeah. That is kind of wild. 
I should check that to make sure I'm not just talking out of my ass. No, I, I totally believe you. I mean, Finn is very strong. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like themes that are built around a keyword. I think that's kind of interesting. So I, I could imagine there's some excitement about that, hopefully, over, honestly, the poison counters, just like building a bit of a death touch sub theme. Yeah. That does surprise me a little bit. It's also yeah. one of the only good, like, cheap mono green commanders, right? In terms yeah, of two mana. Yeah. The two mana one three with death touch. And whenever a creature you control death touch deals combat damage to a player, that player gets two poison counters, which I really love because that yeah. that is a reference back to the original poison mechanic that like a handful of snake creatures had in earlier sets, mm-hmm. where whenever they did combat damage to a player, that player got two poison counters. One for each fang. One for each fang. Yeah. But yeah, it's at four thousand and seventy-three decks, which is Almost 1,000 more than the next top commander, which is Ayula, Queen Among Bears. Wow. I got it. Crazy. I'll, That's a big jump. It is. Yeah, I'll eat my salt on that one. I mean, <laughs> hey, if, I, 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 I could definitely see Infect getting a bit old if you're playing against it all the time because it's, mm-hmm. it's a very one-note strategy that if you don't deal with, it's just, oh, I'm out. And maybe the Infect player can't take someone out quickly. So there are games where one person's just kind of sitting around waiting. Yeah. I think I do want to stand with my original opinion and say, I don't think Infect is terribly problematic and casual, especially dedicated Infect decks. I do think Infect is a strong way to win games, especially when you're using Tainted Strike or Triumph of the Hordes. But overall, I don't think Infect itself is something to be super salty about. Totally. I agree. So there's another question in here that we didn't really touch on, which is that Infect didn't age well in times of Eureka, Urza, Korvold, Fierce Guardianship to Fierce Protection. And I totally agree. Like, we talked about Yuriko in a recent episode. It was our saltiest card of the week. And Yuriko is a fucking strong commander. And I think a lot of people would... I mean, if you ask a room full of EDH players if they'd rather play against a Yuriko deck or a deck that had Infect, it might be a 50-50 split. Yeah, and I think that 50-50 split, more often than not, you would have more fun playing against the Infect player than you would the Yuriko player. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you took a survey after... Yeah. Most people would probably say. <laughs> yeah, the play lines with, with Yuriko can be tough. It, same with Urza. I mean, man, I would way I would much rather play against a deck that had infect than an Urza stacks deck. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh <laughs> I, I take it back. <laughs> we'll see we'll see what I can make infect how I can make infect miserable in CDH. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, is there an Infect CDH deck? Like a dedicated Infect CDH deck? I bet you could make a fringe so. fin. You could probably make a fringe fin, yeah. Run just like really good low to the ground death touchers and, and yeah, some like, way to dump out like, like cheap evasive snakes. creatures and stuff and try yeah. to give them all death touch. Don't get me on one of my favorite topics in Magic right now, which is that if you play like sort of mid-rangey CDH with like a, some beats in it that you're like playing a really good deck. I think that's like half the reason Winota is so good. It's just because you have creatures on board and can beat people. But Oh, it's, well, you know. yeah. And it's just a crazy snowball, man. That yeah. deck fucking slaps. Yeah, I'll, I'll go off. I, I just, I think combat in CDH is very underrated. I think it's it's more and more rated these days for sure. Yeah, definitely more rated than it used to be, but I, I think it should be rated more. Yeah, it seems like we're moving away from the turbo meta and favoring like this heavy mid-range. Like yeah. Blue, Blue Farm just won... Um, Blue Farm just won a tournament the other day, and a lot of people were discounting that deck. And a lot of people have viewed that deck historically as like a Turbo Nas deck, 
And there was some some dialogue on Twitter today about that. And everyone was like, that is a mid-range NAS deck. Like it is trying to add NAS on turn like five or six. You know, yeah. it's not trying to rush it in because it's got white. It's trying to like build a board, draw into your silence, and then add NAS. It doesn't want to add NAS on turn two or three unprotected and just like, you know, shoot your shot. Totally. And I, I love that the CEDH meta kind of shifts around like that. Like I feel like it's following the trajectory that a lot of formats follow. I'm no expert in like any format that, you know, isn't at least EDH or limited or something, but mm-hmm. I know standard and modern have had these like waves of like, Oh, a, a combo deck is just oppressive or like yeah. uh, a burn deck, you know, takes off at some point. And then the, there's always that, that balance of like you know it's not quite rock paper scissors shoot but there is like archetypes that are just better against other archetypes so if one becomes the most prevalent thing then suddenly these other archetypes become more viable and you know the winter of combat damage was so long here that i think it's finally going to find its way back into that it's great yeah i think the moment people think a format is solved is the best time to try to be creative because oh, yeah people will not see it coming oh yeah especially in tournament play you come in with some oh, like yeah. meta buster and just hit everybody sideways and they're like what the fuck is this like i mean we even have experience with that we were talking about that before we started recording we've got experience with that just in our little meta where we were very set in our ways with cdh mike built magda and started just like fucking us up every single week after week crushing us with magda good times so then i built marath stacks <laughs> to <laughs> pick off those creatures yeah to basically shoot magda every single time she came out and it worked <laughs> and i'm not sure i've played magda since <laughs> no you have you have but it, it stopped you from dropping her every single game <laughs> yeah the other problem was that someone won a big tournament with magda and i'm a insufferable hipster that like gets salty when other people play something i <laughs> thought i discovered <laughs> oh man that's only 10%, but I get a little bit of that, but, but also like the well-known decks are just so fun to play. It's like, I, I don't want to deprive myself of that. And like Rafik is one of my favorite decks and it's literally like the most poster child of a Voltron deck. Yeah, that's like true. The card text specifically says you should only attack with one creature per turn. Pretty <laughs> much, you know, like, I don't think they've printed a more Voltron-y deck or, or a more Voltron-y commander. No. And I thought maybe like Roger Arden. no that's different but that's equipment but again roger arden classic equipment commanders oh man they're super fun to play absolutely but yeah i think kind of cycling back actually the shifting meta i definitely think has put uh in fact aside at least from what i've seen maybe maybe there's more out there in the wild than i know about but um i think it put it aside but i'm not sure it needs to be there and as long as your group has nothing wrong with it, I uh, give it a go, I think. I agree. So how are we feeling? What are our salt ratings on this one? I mean, we've kind of talked about it a lot, but let's yeah. let's put a bow on it. How are you guys feeling about Infect these days in the meta? Overall, uh, I think the point of the post was more about, I'm playing a strategy I don't think is that strong, and everyone else at the table disagreed with me, and uh, they took me out. And I sort of feel like I was unjustly hate, like hated out. I definitely agree with that sentiment because a lot of the time when I play something like Urza and CDH, or when I pull out my send triplets in high power casual, people immediately look at it and are like, (laughs) I need to get rid of this person. And granted, 
not a bad thought to have. <laughs> but every once in a while, it, it, it can feel a little bad to be the first person out all the time. And especially if you're playing a strategy like Infect, where I don't think it's entirely warranted. And yeah. if you are the first person out, it's like, oh, I definitely didn't have a chance to like make an impact on the board. Mm-hmm. That's a high salt rating for me. That's got to be like a full shaker. Mm. To me, to me, this post is, you know, it's like the tasting spoon coming out of a pot of soup. It's like just checking the waters is like, is this salty to everybody? Like, it seems <laughs> like this is salty to everyone. And the thing about that is you can taste it and it might not seem salty to you. You're like, actually, that seems pretty good. But your whole table is going to be eating that soup later. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if everyone at your table hates it, even though it's probably fine, you might you might have to dial it back. That's a great way to put it. So true. Yeah. I mean, e- yeah, even if you love it, you, you may not be able to play Infect without getting Every time. really focused down. Yeah. Um, but I do agree. Like we said, I, I totally agree with this person. I think Infect, I think genuinely it's hard to kill three other people with Infect unless you have something that's putting damage on all of them and you're proliferating up consistently. Yes. But it's very similar in my mind to Commander damage, which is also hard to do. Yeah. Um or it's very easy to knock one person out with that mechanic. It's much harder to knock three individual people out with that mechanic. Yeah. Mm. I think it has aged poorly. You know, I, I think it's, it's strong, but it's not so strong that I would refuse to play against it. Yeah. The components of it that are pretty strong do seem to show up in a pretty cheesy way. Yeah. I think that gives it a, a kind of bad name, but. It has a lot of like gotcha moments, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. and I, I think people don't like that. Like Triumph of the Hordes is like, hey, I didn't have any infect before. And now all my creatures have it and they yeah. have trample and they're buffed and you're yeah. dead now. <laughs> Tainted Strike is the ultimate gotcha. And <laughs> people fucking hate that. Yeah. <laughs> well, shall we move on to another one, guys? Heck yeah. So this next one comes to us from Pixelated Impressions. If you guys see user Pixelated Impressions on the EDH subreddit, give them an upvote. And this post is titled, Players Who Refuse to Win. And the Mm. post goes, why? (laughs) (laughs) Please tell me that's it. (laughs) All caps. It goes on to say, the point of the game is to win. Unless playing a group hug deck where the goal is to not die first, you try to win. Player the other night would not make any attempt to advance the game. The commander was huge and had flying. Other players had no flyers to block, no attacks ever. After I was taken out by another player, I pointed out that this person could end the game in one turn if they simply attacked. Their response? Well, I can end the game whenever. I have my infinite combo on board. I just wanted to see what would happen. He then showed the combo and ended the game. This really pissed me off. So instead of just winning the game so we can play the next, uh, this was a casual night, by the way, he was going to wait until someone else was about to win, then do the combo and win instead. This is just super shitty in my opinion. We're oh. not all friends, but it's a very friendly group at the store. Everyone is part of a smaller friend play group within the group. Yeah, it's their prerogative to play their deck how they want, but the other part of this is this is the same people who will throw a fit and threaten to quit if you interact with him or his board in any meaningful way. I honestly try to not be in his pod on casual nights. Yeah, don't blame you. Sounds like a salt lord, man. Yeah, it really does. There are there are valid reasons out there to not like go for the win, you know, especially if you think someone has interaction, which maybe this player has some issues with. Yeah. Uh, but 
you are trying to win. And I kind of see this happen with two categories of player. Like one, sometimes newer players are a little bit hesitant to like swing out or um, to distribute the damage out there. You know, like they're not really thinking about that as one of the core pieces of the game that they need to be considering. Um, And then also players that like to feel like they're in a place of power which it sounds like this was, you know, like I've got my combo set up. Oh, I'm doing great. I can win whenever I want. Like, yeah, you're already dead. I, you, you know, my I, pawns. <laughs> yeah. Putty yeah. in my hands. <laughs> so, and, and that's icky. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. That is really icky. Yeah. <laughs> it is icky. <laughs> I think for a player like this, someone who is almost like, they like being in control so much that they almost like are afraid or like get upset when they lose. I think a, the the best way to solve this is have a discussion at the beginning of the game and be like, please don't be afraid to kill me. Like when, when you have it on board, um, playing CDH is like a really good temporary cure for this, because if you yeah. like do, if you do anything like that, you will lose immediately on the next turn. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, just, you need to beat this person enough times to where they're not scared of losing. I, I definitely used to be like this when I was younger and started playing magic. I had a huge ego and every time I lost was like a personal affront and I felt like lesser and sad, but I eventually lost so many times that I realized that it just like didn't matter and <laughs> um, it's fine. EDH is like a board game where everyone gets to bring their own set of pieces. And if someone just brings like a set of pieces that it like is so overwhelming that no one else can do anything. And they're like, yeah, I was just happy. I wanted you guys to watch me have fun. That's not really the same as playing an interactive four player game where everyone has a chance. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I think there's a, you know, there's a couple reasons why there's a couple reasons that I want to add where someone wouldn't go for the win. Hmm. One is, you know, Mike, you mentioned new players and things like that, or I've played with some friends that enjoy magic, but admit that when the board state gets too complex, it becomes pretty hard for them to like know whether making an attack is beneficial or not. Mm-hmm. And if the board gets really crazy, I do see players get locked up. Um, I think it's a pretty common thing, actually, especially in Commander when you need to track three board states. It's like sometimes you don't know if an attack is beneficial because now you've left yourself open, and that can be really complicated. When that stuff happens, sometimes it's good to point out to that person, especially if they're newer, be like, Hey, I think you do have it right now. Like you could attack here, here, and here. I mean, I generally like to do that. I like to kind of help point that stuff out. I think you got to be sensitive about that stuff. You don't want to be like a dickhead mm-hmm. and be like telling people how to play their decks. Totally. But you can be like, Hey, I think you've got like a kill on board. Or if a whole turn goes by, you can point it out after and be like, Hey, I think you had me last turn. Uh, you really could have got it, you know? Or even use it as like a, a you can kind of play around with it by like doing kind of table threat assessment. Be like, yeah. oh man, I'm really scared of that huge flyer commander. I hope someone <laughs> removes it. And then the person sitting there is like, oh, my commander has flying and no one has any flying blockers. <laughs> yeah. That is a good point. And yeah. so you can kind of like pretend to be scared of it and maybe they'll, you know, go ahead and do whatever they've got on board. Sometimes I'll even say, if I am sensing that kind of like paralysis in an opponent, I'll be like, are you going to combat? Cause I don't have any flying blockers. So, you know, like, like give a prompt like that and just kind of like help usher the turn along and just sort of offer up some free information. Cause yeah. I'm, 
it's not all about winning. Like sometimes I want to just see my opponents enjoy it. And if I'm seeing Mm -hmm. someone get locked up like that, generally there's an element of them not enjoying the game and maybe feeling some stress and stuff. So you can help alleviate that and move the game along. I don't think that's happening in this situation. (laughs) This person's being a salt Lord dickhead, but (laughs) I just do want to mention that, you know, for, for the education of others. (laughs) I definitely want to highlight this because I don't think the attitude that you guys answered this question with is in a lot of pods. Um, A lot of my favorite games of commander have felt like all four players are working together to like land a plane. Like you all have the same goal. Like we're not super worried about who wins. We just want to work with the board state to create the most like interesting optimal line of plays. Mm -hmm. And I I've played with some other pods recently. I obviously I play with you guys a lot, but I play with a lot of, a lot of other pods too. And one, something I noticed recently was some players don't like to, evaluate their boards and like help other people like they want to win obviously especially if they don't get a lot of games of commander like Mm -hmm. we do like i play commander like easily at least once a week and a lot of people don't have that privilege and so wanting to win can be like a a much bigger driving force than wanting to help someone so i think get in that habit of like i like of course you want to win but make sure the game itself is as competitive and people are like having fun and not just sitting yeah. there letting you win or like doing your cool thing. Cause that's yeah. not fun. Yeah. And like a lot of what Sam was saying, like on a personal level, I'll mostly only do those things if I don't see my own path to victory. And it's like, rather than scooping at that point, like, let me see if I can encourage another player to just find the win kind of the natural way. And then we can move on to the next game. Definitely, Mike. And I will even do this in CDH. I mean, we've done this in CDH before where Nick is going off with Elsha the Infinite and we're like, (laughs) I think this is what you need to assemble the win. He's like, "Uh, like, what am I doing? And we're like, I think you got to get this and do that. You know, like we'll help each other even through CDH wins where where we really don't offer that stuff up. Right. But if like the writing is on the wall that someone has the win and they're floundering a little bit, it's like, let me help you clean this up. It'll be like a little bit of a learning experience as well you'll get the win. We'll move on to the next game. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are definitely moments where I see an optimal line of play and I'm not going to fucking mention it because I don't want my right. commander yeah, to get I'm not moves. saying <laughs> calculate everything out for people, especially because you brought yeah. up something else where you don't want to be telling someone how to play their deck. And totally. I think that's something you guys line. could do a whole episode on because <laughs> I, I have taught some people how to play EDH and I have definitely at times felt overbearing and that is an awful feeling. Uh, yeah, I would love to learn like if other people have had experiences like that. Yeah, it's hard, man. When I taught my wife how to play magic back when we were dating in college, the first time I did, I was so like overbearing and in the weeds of it that she was like, I am not interested in this at all. Yep. And it actually took me kind of like playing on her pride to get her to play again. (laughs) You know, a few weeks went by and we had nothing to do. And I was like, well, we could, ah, you wouldn't want to do that. She's like, what, (laughs) what, what? what?" I was like, well, we could play magic, but you probably, you probably wouldn't want to finish the game. Cause in the previous game, she like tapped out halfway through. Uh, I was like, I I don't think you could really finish a game. So we, we might as well skip it. And she's like, no, I can finish a game. I was like, really? I don't know if you can. <laughs> <laughs> and she did. And she kicked my ass too, like legitimately. I think and then that- she went on to be like a really good magic player and was like crushing my friends on the regular. Like they still talk about how they showed up to a game night one time. And my friend Bo 
got paired up to play against my wife, Caroline. And, you know, sometimes there's this like stigma of like, oh, like someone's girlfriend is here, like, oh, oh yeah. whatever. And Bo got like thrashed and he's, he got like demoralized. <laughs> by That's Caroline. awesome. And he like still talks about it. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My partner started playing semi recently too. And I was very overbearing at the start. I built them a deck and, um, she, she only became interested as soon as I like got more into the deck building aspect. And mm-hmm. instead of doing it for her was more like, yeah, I'll help guide you in the direction you want to go. And if yeah. you want to like, once you're down to like the last couple cards, if you want to ask me a couple like more in-depth questions, sure. And now like when I, when I watch her like wipe the board with people with that shieldred deck, it is, yeah. it is a very proud moment <laughs> to be like, you built that like, Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. The Shieldred deck. The- Shieldred the Apocalypse. It is an it is oh a miserable God. experience to yeah, play against. I bet it is. Can confirm. Played against it. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's amazing. I would expect nothing less of your partner Pat <laughs> to just <laughs> to just build like a super degenerate deck and crush you. Oh yeah, I've taught her well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. <laughs> so. Well, uh, I'm back on the post. What do you guys what do you guys think on the overall overall salt rating here? Man, I totally agree. Like don't we say it a lot. Don't play with your food. Yes. This is maximum salt for me. Um like you can definitely get into situations where people have, you know, sometimes we call it like putting a loaded gun on the table where there's like a threat. Another term for it that I, I heard recently is a rattlesnake card. You know, a card uh. that shows there's a threat on board and it's like, hey, if you fuck with me, the snake's going to bite, you know, and you can hear that warning. You can hear the rattle and that can happen. But if someone has that situation and it's just an entire win con, pull the trigger, man, have the snake bite end the game. Let's move on to the next one, because you hit a point where my game actions don't matter if you're just going to win. So why would I continue to play on my turns? Yeah. You know, and if you're not going to end the game. I'm just going to concede. So this is Max Shaker for me. Like, don't waste my time. Yeah. I hope that every single time that this Salt Lord does this uh, in the future, their pieces are removed and they end up losing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cross and grip, dude. Some fucking split second on the stack. That's all you need. Yeah. It brings me back. There's an Alfred Hitchcock quote where he talks about if there's a bomb in the room and only the audience knows about it, you can make a really tense scene with two characters just talking. But this situation sounds more like there's a bomb on the table and both characters don't care and are just talking about <laughs> something else. It's no longer tense. Yeah. yeah. Not not exciting, not fun, nothing. Yeah, it does take the drama out. You're like, okay, so we'll die at some point. I guess so. Like, is it going to be now or is it going to be later? And they're like, oh, it's going to well, be now. It'll yeah. happen, but don't know when. Honestly, if this person, if this Salt Lord wanted to have that flashy moment to show off their combo win with it win with it when it hits the table because that is the moment when you're like i play this and then i combo off and i win and people are like oh shit you got us if you're just gonna let it sit there for three turn cycles and then finally have it go off and be like time to explain my combo it's like man your sense of dramatic timing is way off abysmal yeah we are (laughs) we are far past the moment where this was going to be cool and shocking now it's just kind of boring and we all saw it coming I will say there's there's a scenario where I do have some sympathy for the person OP is talking about. Um, if if you bring a deck that's like a little too strong to a casual game and you mm-hmm. like accidentally walk into like an almost unwinnable board state, something you can do sometimes is make it a little bit more manageable and then announce like, hey, I have 
something that's going to cause a lot of problems for you. Like my example, one I do all the time is Titania, Protector of Angroth and Zurinorb, where I can make a lot of tokens. <laughs> we so, talked about I, this in an episode. Yeah, I brought yeah. this up. Oh, awesome. So I can run into the situation where I, I'll have a loop and I can make uh, like an absurd number of tokens. But yeah. if, I'm, if I'm playing this deck with people who maybe aren't ready for that sort of challenge, I'll be like, hey guys, I've assembled a board state where next turn I can probably win the game. This turn, I'm going to make like 10 five fives. And I'm letting you know that next turn, I'm going to make so many that it's going to end the game. <laughs> so sometimes you can like give people a little bit of like an arch enemy moment. You can tell people like, even if normally you would win the turn there by creating so many that it's insurmountable and you can attack, make it like a, a little more fun, but leave a deadline on it. You shouldn't be playing with your food for more than one turn. And even yeah. then it's iffy. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Even that, be careful with who you're doing that with. That really is for like maybe Learning. newer players or if you've accidentally mismatched your deck. That's yeah. not for I've sat down with people I feel dead even with and I'm right. I'm going to just do that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. In that moment, I felt like I had brought a deck that was a little too strong for the table and didn't want to just be like, I can win the game on turn six. Ugh, yeah, like. sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys ready for another one? Yeah. Absolutely. What else? All right. Here it comes. This next one comes to us from user Sadistic B. If you Oof. see them on the EDH subreddit, give them an upvote. And this post is titled "Kicked Out of Playgroup for Playing Blue Control." Mm. Here's that blue post I was talking about. Oh my god! Mm. I, I'm getting I'm heated under the collar already. <laughs> <laughs> Kicked out. Kicked out. Blue players need not apply. <laughs> <laughs> and the post says. I recently started playing Magic with some friends. I felt like I finally achieved a decent strength blue deck based around copying slash stealing creatures and creating more copies of that. I only, only in quotes, I only had like 10 counters and a handful of tap enchantments and Frogify style cards. I've since been asked to stop playing blue because playing with me isn't fun. I wasn't able to play with them for weeks. How can I convince people blue isn't actually Satan? I have literally only won a single game because I get swamped by everyone anytime I play, no matter the deck anymore, and it's starting to be no fucking fun. Hmm. I think this person lied to us. The first sentence is that they started with playing with some of their friends, and I don't think that's true. I think that these are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see why you'd say that, but go on. <laughs> I mean, like... You got to be willing to let people play what they want to play. We talk about that all the time. And if someone really wants to play blue, you, they got to be able to play blue. You don't have to like get excited about it. You don't have to keep encouraging them to play blue. But if that's the deck they've built, that's what they desperately want to play. You cannot rule out a fifth of the game just because right. you have some weird yeah. stigma about it. You hear that, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> And a shot rang out. <laughs> and he's thankfully, not here to defend himself. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Tony. Yeah, especially because he's not here. I'll put some words in his mouth. He he says oh. that stuff mostly in jest. Like he yeah. does hate it because of what it can do, but he doesn't even Tony does not hate every single thing that blue does. And he, he just hates decks. And he, he has, has blue decks. decks. Exactly. I say it every single time. He's like, No, I don't. You fucking he does. Yeah. He's got good <laughs> blue decks. Like Yes. And some of the things that you can do in a situation like this would be, well, my natural inclination would be to build the least blue 
mono blue deck you can build and then to also build the most blue sans blue deck that you can build yeah. so like the most interactive color pie breaking counter spells like weird interaction interactive stuff blood pod yeah blood pod cdh blood pod crazy <laughs> stacks crazy control no blue and man that deck will make you more miserable than a blue control deck <laughs> mm-hmm. and then build like some goofy flying combat blue deck that's yeah. like <laughs> trying to put big timmy beaters yeah. out there sphinx tribal is a is a solid option if if you need a suggestion but sphinx tribal is fun too play some tower yeah, and fun Oh, is less fun than Counterspell Tribal, in my opinion. But it's usually the Tal-Ran same thing. Is Counterspell Tribal <laughs> it can usually? Be. Yeah, it definitely yeah. can be. So, the thing that bugs me about this isn't that they're telling you you can't play blue; it's that they aren't really articulating what the problem is. Yeah, because it's not the fact that blue is the issue; it's that it's that you are putting out too much control or using frankly copying copying effects are fine but frankly stealing effects get salt up a lot yeah um, and it's just something to be aware of like yeah counter spells can do that too a lot of removal and control can make people salty but i think there's something about stealing creatures specifically um, and just stealing permanence specifically that brings out like an extra bit of salt from people so i think that your play group is poorly articulating what the issue is and for them to just blanket say you can't play blue is kind of bullshit and in my experience with this in our pod we definitely have decks that are unpleasant to play against rubinio is one that we've talked about it is literally a theft deck with blue in it (laughs) yeah like it's kind of what this person's talking about or very in the same vein you know we've got like really powerful control decks we've got some more combo-y decks that can be hard to interact with. We have these decks in our meta, but we still allow each other to play them. The really key piece of that is that I'm not dropping Gave combo every single time we play. Mm-hmm. I will play it once in a while to like have the experience with it, you know, continue to be able to play it. But if I was dropping that every single time, my play group would be burnt out. They would eventually ask me to not play it. And they'd be totally justified. So I do wonder if there's an element of like continuing to bring only a blue deck or only this type of blue control. And like, if you played that, if you played two games every week and one game was blue control, that would be a market improvement for your play group, frankly. Totally. I want to follow up uh, on something you said. Um, I think one of the best ways to get your play group to be more open to decks is just playing more than one game a sitting because yeah. mm-hmm. if you just play one game a sitting and it leaves a bad taste in your mouth you will remember the deck that you lost to or you will remember the thing that like you did not like about that game but when i really started to enjoy commander was when i was able to actually play more than one game in a sitting and like maybe i win one of those games that night maybe i don't but i got to play against a bunch of like other decks and got to maybe pop off as for playing blue and your friends not letting you i have a few things i want to say to this beautiful sweet blue prince (laughs) Um, (laughs) 10 counter spells is maybe a lot for casual um maybe a, a few too many uh <laughs> i love blue i love blue and your other removal options tend to be like bouncy or steely which isn't maybe as good as counter spells 
I would limit yourself to maybe six, maybe seven in that range. Maybe try playing stuff like Arcane Denial instead of Counterspell. Arcane Denial is an awesome card and it refills your hand and the other person you're countering doesn't feel nearly as bad because they're mm -hmm. getting a card back. Yeah. Um, and I have one more recommendation I would like to make. If you want to play blue and you don't want to get hated off the table, bring a weird blue commander because everyone will sleep on you. I brought Patron of the Moon to so oh, many yeah. tables. That deck is people, spicy. It's such a fun list. It has almost nothing to do with blue's like core color identity of like countering and like getting value on other people's turns. You're like turbo ramping and doing mono blue landfall. It's yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Blue has a lot of space for creativity that's not just controlly stuff. But yeah, I think the best way to get your friends to accept a more control style atmosphere is play more than one game a sitting and they'll slowly start to see huh that control deck has about the same win rate as all the other decks i play against mm -hmm. it might not be as pleasant but i can i can beat them control can also be played in a way that earns you a ton of favor let's oh, say yeah. pat is about to cast a swords to plowshares on one of mike's creatures i counter that like Think about what Mike is feeling in that moment. So much relief. <laughs> the, the evil blue player in his mind has like saved his creature. Like you can you can do a lot with blue control politically. And my other recommendation would be splash it into another color. Mm -hmm. If you come down with like a two color deck, maybe not Simic or Azorius. <laughs> but if you come or down Demir. with Demir. Yeah, or Demir. <laughs> or, or is it? Um, yeah, none of those are fun. <laughs> Don't do those. Any of the other two color blue combos, though, those are fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like like blue splashed into something. Generally speaking, just with deck construction, that control aspect isn't going to be as oppressive of a piece in there, um, and it will show up less. And that will have a big impact on your table. You can still enjoy that. You can still have that control piece, but you know, finding a balance, but also kind of um, speaking a little softer with your blue presence is going to go mm -hmm. a long way. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you counter three spells in a row in a turn cycle, and then it comes back to you and you just get to do your turn, people are going to feel bad, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> and you, they'll if, take notice. Yeah, yeah. And they will, they will notice that you just counted three spells in a row. But if you run <laughs> five, six to seven counter spells in your deck and you maybe get two off a game, no one's going to be like, oh, that's the quote blue player. He's playing the counter deck. Like you'll become one of the, the regular people at the table soon. Yeah. They'll, and, they'll, they'll, they'll come to ex accept you. <laughs> you'll force them. And definitely make sure that you're countering things that need to be countered. Like that's another mm. thing that makes control get like a really bad rep. I think in, in EDH is like, yeah, if a control player is just like willy nilly, countering things or removing things um you get left with this feeling of like why why did you yes. interact with my board like that like i i wasn't going to impact you at all with this like all you did was slow me down you're not furthering your own plan at all like that's yeah. that's bs yeah. so just make sure that the reason that you're using your blue control is to protect something you're doing or to you know stop someone from hurting you or to like Sam was saying to gain some political favor with a different person don't just don't just lay it out there because you've got the counter and the open mana and someone yeah. played something spicy don't counter rampant growth don't yeah. counter fellwarstone please you, you that will get you the bad rep 
Do mental misstep and soul ring, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah. do mental that, misstep. That one's so juicy that you can't resist. But the other ones, don't do those. Those are bad. Jumping off your point there, Mike, there is something that happens in an EDH player's brain when they have chosen to keep mana up to do instant speed interaction. I've, I've chosen to keep two or three blue mana up so I can counter something. I've got two or three counters in my hand and we're going around the turn cycle. There's this feeling that you need to cast something to get the full value out of your mana, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're like, well, you know, it's turn five or six. I've got six mana out. I have chosen to only use three on my turn and leave three up so I can counter something. If I don't spend that three to counter something, I'm losing out on value. And I think that that's a misconception. I think that often you can let that turn go by, let that turn cycle go by and not spend that and keep those cards in hand and save them for the moment where it really matters. But that's the risk. That's the risk of playing that type of deck is you do keep mana up and you don't always spend it. It's one of the benefits of having a commander or cards just in your deck that have activated abilities you can sync into as well. You know, so when it gets to that end step, you're like, okay, well, I didn't use this for countering. Now I'm going to use this mana for, you know, activating a bunch of artifacts or doing something else. It's it's like having like a it's like having your allowance in your pocket or like your first paycheck as a kid. You're like, man, I got so much money, I'm gonna spend it all right now. Like you that counterspell is burning a hole in your pocket and you just want to cast it on something. And I think it gives you this like tunnel vision where you're just looking for something that's like slightly worth countering and then you blast it out. Yeah. And right. you don't need to do that. Kiddo, that ten dollars is gonna be worth so much more if you save it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great analogy. Yeah. The the threat of a counter spell is often an, like enough value. Yeah. And you can oh, you can yeah, dude. you can be subtly loud about the fact that you have two islands untapped. Like yeah. when someone's casting a spell, you say like, oh, in response, just be like, all right, let's go through the actions. Do, any responses from you? Any responses from you? If you yeah. start to slow down the turn order like that, people will take notice of that. Yeah. And you don't even have to have a counter in hand. They might even avoid playing something because they're worried about it and you could be sitting on nothing. Absolutely. Dude, yeah. I think we talked about it in the speech play episode. Yeah, we did. Um but just like sighing or pausing when a spell is on the stack or just being like, wait, or like, yeah. or, or even just saying, well, it doesn't resolve yet. Person, and kind of person. thinking a little bit is like, <laughs> that is brutal, man. That is you ice in the veins. played a counter spell. Yeah. <laughs> person after you in turn order says, or in priority order says uh, no response. And you're like, well, hold on. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything like that. Like there's so much power in that. And everybody after that, is going to just, you know, play with that in mind. Just being like, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, that resolves. Like saying, agreeing that something resolves is like very powerful. Oh, yeah. Should we should we jump into salt ratings for this one? Sure. Yes. If your friends really stop letting you play with the playgroup, uh, five million shakers out of five million, and they're all warranted. They're bad yes. magic players, uh, and... I don't know. You got to learn to love the love the blue, and you got to beat it into them. Yep. Yeah, I'm like choking on ocean water with this one. Like salt is in my in my mouth and throat and lungs, and I'm and I'm suffocating. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if you guys came to me and you were like, uh, "Yeah, you can't play that anymore," I'd be like, "Fuck you! I'm gonna play it every single game now." <laughs> like eat eat my ass and balls. You guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> 
eat my ass and balls. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also my nature. If someone tells me I can't do something, I'm like, fuck you. I, I'm going to fucking do it twice as much now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Especially if they don't give me a good reason. Like if you guys yeah. came to me and you're like, hey, that blue deck isn't fun and we're having like a bad time with it. Is there something we can like do about the spell package you're running in there? Maybe take out some counter spells, like alter the deck. So it's a more enjoyable experience for the board. I'd be like, whoa, what a reasonable request from these friends of mine. Thank you guys. <laughs> yeah, totally. As, as a group, that's definitely the advice too, is like, check your assumptions is like, are you really being hated on because you're playing blue or is it because you keep countering things that don't need to be countered and like yeah. are they really hating you again because you're playing blue or is there something else going on there that they're not happy about just just double check on those things and at the end of the day if they're just saying they don't like a fifth of the game they should find a different game and you should right. go on to be the the blue king that you clearly are meant to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> well said <laughs> but yeah i think either way have like a more in-depth play group conversation and just be like, Hey, what about this deck is really bothering you guys? Because I don't want to play in a play group where I, I'm not wanted yeah. and I'm, I don't want to play in a play group where I'm hated out of the table every single time I play, but I also do have passion for this type of play and I want to try it out and I want to have it be a part of my, my regular EDH experience. And I think if you came to your group with that type of like honesty, I would hope that they would receive it very well, especially if they are your friends, you know? Please just know no one is going to thank you for countering their spells. They're never going yes. to say, thank you, sir. <laughs> May I have another? <laughs> as, as a control player, know that you're always going to be looked at as like a problem and someone, most of your decks will probably be targeted. Like you're playing Zen Triplets, you're playing Urza, people are coming at you. But if you, if you just want to play blue in general and people aren't letting you do that, that is where that crosses yeah. the line. Yeah, it's about getting that salt shaker down to like a little sprinkle. Hmm. <laughs> and at the risk of it being advice we give for basically everything, uh, try playing each other's decks. Maybe they'll get a taste <laughs> for the blue fever. Maybe you'll learn that you're actually a jund at heart. Like there's there's a lot of options out there. Yeah, or build that deck uh, that has a bunch of off-color counter spells like run red elemental blast, pyroblast, lapse Man of certainty, <laughs> manative. <laughs> Do like a, yeah, do like a... Like a Naya counter list. Yeah, Naya do like a Naya counter deck. That would be <laughs> fucking amazing. That would be Deflecting so fun. SWAT, all the Play, things that like shift honestly, targets. Death Grip too, right? Like it should yeah. be all colors but blue <laughs> yeah, and run grip. a major counter spell package. If you just want to play Spell Slinger Control and they're not going to let you play blue... I'm, I'm telling you, Wart the Raid Mother is the commander to go mm. with in my opinion. Oh, Rule Spell Slinger. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yep. And definitely play a wandering archaic in there because that's a fucking amazing yes. spell. <laughs> Actually, hit us up and we'll help you build like a really <laughs> salty deck. <laughs> and my phone number is. <laughs> oh man, join our Patreon. We'll help you build. <laughs> <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's that time, guys. What time is it? It's that time of the week. Well, how often does it come? It's that time of the week that comes every week. <gasps> this is my favorite time of the week. It's the time of the week where we say, Mike, what's the salty card of the week? Well, the salty, salty card. card of the week <laughs> is the salty card. 
as upset as I am, you got to do that closer <laughs> to the mic. Oh, really? Did it <laughs> yeah. not come through? It's like, it came uh, through, but it sounded uh, like you're two rooms away. Yeah, it's a delightfully wispy interruption that I could have steamrolled if I so desired. Oh, man. I'm so sad. I don't know no. if I have it in me to do it again. No, you don't. I should have just kept going. I think it's just going to stay in and be really quiet. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's what I get for stepping back and doing a falsetto. <laughs> you went into it like George Michaels. <laughs> well, the salty card of the week this week has already been mentioned on the episode two times. No way. Really? Yep. The salty card of the week this week is send triplets. <laughs> no way. I'm excited. Oh, man. <laughs> so send triplets says... It's two, a white, a blue, and a black. So everyone's favorite combo, Esper. It's a legendary artifact creature, human wizard. That's a nice juicy type line as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At the beginning of your upkeep, choose target opponent. This turn, that player can't cast spells or activate abilities and plays with their hand revealed. Oh. You may play lands and cast spells from that player's hand this turn. It is a 3-3. Three, three. And yeah. I'm just going to get the flavor out on this one, too. It is, they are the masters of your mind. Mm, oh, yeah, yeah we is. <laughs> Fuck that commander. <laughs> Ask me, Mike. Ask me. Yeah. Does this one make you salty, Sam? Yeah, I fucking hate send triplets. Send triplets <laughs> sucks, dude. It's like a silence effect against a single opponent. It's a telepathy effect against a single opponent. They have to reveal their hand. And you're fucking playing shit out of their hand. I'd rather have you make me discard because then I'm just losing cards, but you're losing cards and you're stealing them. So it's like card disadvantage for me, card advantage for you, and you're stealing my stuff, which we've already talked about how that's salty. You're playing it on the other person's board and I can't fucking do anything in response. If I had like any sort of removal for send triplets in my hand, now you're just going to cast it on some of my shit or someone, someone else's shit. Like, man, it is frustrating. You play out Paradox Haze and get two upkeeps and you're fucking, or you're doubling up on your upkeep triggers. You get like Sphinx of the Second Sun. You get a whole second upkeep later on in your turn. And you're just doing this to like two opponents. It's a really annoying card. I was going to say, you've not played against this nearly enough if you think I'm just stealing one person's card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I don't like about it is it fucking sucks to play over webcam. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It, it is just one of those commanders that if someone's like, hey, can I play this over webcam? It's like, man, could you rather not? Like, I already don't yeah. want to play against send triplets. <laughs> I really don't want you to be like writing down like a million little infinite tokens, you know? Um, unless they sponsor us, then I would love for you to write a million <laughs> infinite tokens. <laughs> Howling Saltline Brandon. <laughs> uh, I do want to say, yeah. So this is one of the first EDH decks I've ever built. Um, learning commander for me was playing against a mono green Vornclex player so i became oh very God. yes that was no my wonder first you experience. are the way that you are <laughs> <laughs> i i immediately loved stacks because i was like oh my gosh like you could just lock someone out of the game like that seems really good uh my first two decks were grand arbiter augustine and send triplets as the second <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Bad. What so, a villain origin story. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It right has all become so clear to me in this moment. <laughs> Our friendship <laughs> over the last couple of years. That took mono green players hate him so seriously. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I'm like, I'm shook. <laughs> so I had this deck for a long time and then COVID hit and 
uh, I ran into that experience where no one wanted to play with me over <laughs> webcam literally ever. So I had taken this deck apart and actually sold it for probably like 40% of its components. And I only recently rebuilt it because I get some consistent in-person games now. Nice. The salt for this card is warranted. I have a <laughs> list for this deck that I call the nice control, and even it is still abysmal. Uh, you can try to play this deck as nice as possible by playing effects like Rule of Law and saying, like, even I'm only going to play one of your spells per turn. <laughs> but yeah, this deck gets miserable fast. And with cards like Howling Mine, Temple Belt, Fairy's Puzzle Box to just fill people's hands with the best cards they can get and oh, use smart. them for yourself, it gets really fun. That is very spicy. Real recognized real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, maybe don't pull this one out of locals if you don't if you value your face staying intact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To sadistic B, uh, when we were talking about like playing a deck that has blue and splashing in other colors, don't go to centriplets either. Like stay away from that shit. <laughs> yeah. If you bring a counterless centriplets to your friends and be like, look guys, I'm playing blue with no counters there. They actually will kick you out of the group. <laughs> <laughs> and they might be justified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we might be getting a post from them. <laughs> Well, how do you feel about this, Mike? So I've had the great fortune to never have seen this across the table. So I have no experience with it. Um, I can definitely imagine uh, all that hate that you guys are summoning. My problem is I love this card because mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of Scryfall shenanigans. And Scryfall lookup will match with certain cards if uh, basically a regex matches if like for regular expression works and you can find send triplets by uh scryfall searching let's rip which i think is delightful <laughs> uh, that's awesome uh but this no big this stinky fart <laughs> yeah big stinky fart rip. of a card that is kind of a great way to describe playing send triplets is going into a room with all your friends and letting rip a big stinky fart <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and know just your friends breathe it and be like is this fun guys this yeah fun know your friends you? on if they're gonna think that's funny or not <laughs> if your friends are brap enthusiasts send triplets may be the commander for you Rap, rap. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't have enough experience with this card to really say, but I can totally imagine some of the uh, the pain that this would bring. And as an avid Halden and Paco enthusiast, uh, I definitely know that things that are just hard to track or frustrating over online play can build salt like kind of outside of the game. It's not even like actual gameplay salt. It's just like situational salt. Uh, and you, that's never really somewhere where you want to be. Do you have any experience with that, Mike? Maybe with like a specific red card you played no. one time? No, no, <laughs> that's getting talked about later. I, it's I, not the time for the I Scrambleverse have, discussion. I have no. I'm sorry. I have vowed to to share the whole Scrambleverse story when we have Nick on board because I need both people that countered it to be present. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to that. I agree. I don't want to talk about it without Nick. And, but, uh, and Tony should be here to moderate. <laughs> yes, but but add us so that we get Nick back on and we can we can uh, tell that story. Oh, man. At some point, we'll release that. That'll be a whole special. The Scramble for special. <laughs> <laughs> Just do a deep dive. It'll be like group therapy. I've got one more little way to sort of summarize send triplets for anyone who's having like a hard time visualizing just how salty this commander can be. I want you to imagine a hand of your favorite magic cards. Some of the cards you would most like to cast just 
ideal. And then I want you to imagine someone taking your entire hand and casting it and then passing <laughs> the turn back to you. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Yeah. It's brutal. It, it's kind of like, it's kind of like such a weird mix of um, like Rubinia and, and other, you know, Marieki Reberet, like theft decks and mind slaver, like right. where you are, you're not fully controlling someone's turn, but when you mind slaver someone, you can cast all their shit, you know? And with send triplets, you can still cast all their shit, except you get the value and they right. completely lose it. Like, it's just such a weird combination of like theft, pseudo discard because you're losing things mm-hmm. and just being totally exposed to the table with no defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Pat, this is something that we talked about in one of our recent episodes where Yuriko was the um, salty card of the week. So at the very end, I talked about how to beat a Yuriko deck from my huh. perspective as being a Yuriko pilot. How would people beat a send triplets deck? Is it as simple gotcha. as just removing send triplets as much as you can? So that's that's the obvious way, but send triplets also has a secondary Achilles heel that you can really target. Notice on send triplets, it doesn't have a piece of text that a lot of new magic cards do where it says you may cast this card by using mana as any mana to cast it. Like you need to use the correct colors to cast spells. So when I'm playing send triplets, my chromatic lantern or, oh gosh, what is that enchantment? Celestial Dawn. Yeah, There there are two cards in the deck that fix mana perfectly for the deck. And when those are out are when you need to be scared because... I can cast anything from your hand. I don't mm-hmm. got to worry whether it's white, blue, or black. If you can take those kind of cards off the board, even if Sen Triplets is on the board, if you're a red deck, you got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even well, Felwar Stone is probably gas in that deck, right? Yeah. Obviously, Treasures have sort of helped this list a little bit. Mm. I-, I think something that's really important in Magic is to make sure decks have weaknesses. And so like my Sen Triplets deck, I don't think runs any treasure generation so it has a really obvious weakness like we were talking about if you want to beat this deck kill send triplets or kill mana fixers yeah that's great that's such a that's such a like sadly a league of legends mentality like design philosophy mentality of like things should have weaknesses and magic is an awesome game partially for that reason like things naturally have those weaknesses uh and i love the concept of actually uh, kind of building that in, particularly in a casual level. At a competitive level, you want to try and cover all of those as you can. But yeah, I love that. I love that too. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I play so many glass cannon decks in casual, like all of my Voltron decks and things like that. I really love the go big or go home mentality where it's like, hey, I'm going to come out and either fucking blast through the table and win or you know, someone will vandal blast my Roger Arden deck and I'll be like, well, I'm not doing anything this game. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see any posts like our blue player friend saying, oh, my friends won't let me play send triplets. Like if you bring this deck, you will be the arch enemy and you need to have fun with that. Like, yeah. This is not a deck where people are going to look across the table and be like, oh, maybe he's not going to do something scary. People will 100% focus you. So if you want to focus the send triplets player, mana fixing, uh, a lot of these decks will run ghostly prison and propaganda to protect themselves. Getting rid of those are huge too. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good advice. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're playing send triplets or or any really really salty commander, you have no leg to stand on to complain. 
mm-hmm. uh, that you're being focused out because that's how you beat those decks. Like, yep, you are signing up to be the arch enemy when you play those decks. And sometimes I also see these posts where people are like, "Well, I'm trying to build it in a way that's actually really fair and nice." And you even said that, Pat. Like, it, that can't happen. It's you not cannot do happen. that with this deck. There are some decks you can't. You're not going to make a fun Grand Arbiter Augustine the Fourth deck. I have tinkered yeah. for years. It won't happen. No <laughs> one's going to be like, oh, you bought the Azorius deck again. Sweet. So it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I tried to make like a friendly Memnarch deck. It's never going to happen. I was like, well, I'll never cast Memnarch. As soon as there is a good artifact to steal, you know what I cast? I cast fucking Memnarch and I stole the <laughs> artifact. <laughs> and, and I won by stealing everybody's permanence on the entire board. And Ugh. I was like, eh, maybe I shouldn't play this deck. Yeah. You know? Like there's no way to build those commanders that are inherently salty and unfun to play against. If you're trying to build them in a nice way, just play a different commander because mm-hmm. either you're not going to have fun because you're building it so counter to where it wants to be, or you're just going to struggle to straddle that line and people are still going to be salty and you're going to be like, but I've done so much to make it unsalty. It's to a point where there's, there is a minimum amount of salt and you just can't take any away beyond that you know totally well that completes our salty card of the week uh thanks for giving your salty takes on it uh especially pat appreciate having you on i saved this one just for you because i knew you'd have some of the deets on it thank you that means a lot (laughs) well thank you mike that was a lovely salty card and thank you to our listeners for tuning in all of our prospectors out there if you guys want to jump on our discord Come hang out with us and, and join the Howling Salt Mine community. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Howling Salt Mine. Um, I think we still have like, well, this episode's coming out in a few weeks. So I think we still have some openings left at the $7 tier. If you want to get a play set of our salty treasure tokens, um, join up and, and we'll send those to you. Once that 50 is done, once those initial 50 slots are filled, We're not going to do that anymore. We won't be giving them out. You can still join at the $7 tier, get that extra content every single month, be a member of the Salt Council. Um, You get to chat with other people in the Salt Council, influence like merchandise we're planning to do. And we kind of use that group as like a sounding board. Um, Honestly, it's a ton of fun. But if you just want to join and hang out in the Discord, the Discord is a blast. I mean, we're having a shit ton of fun in there and it's only been open for like a little while. Um, it's already becoming like a pretty tight group of people and we're trying to get games in with each other. We're talking about magic all the time. We're talking about spoilers, helping each other build decks. It's a great time. Uh, so come check that out. Follow us on social media. If you aren't already, we are the howling salt mine on Instagram. That's kind of our headquarters. Uh, we are howling salt mine on Twitter. That's more of our playground. And then, um, if you find us on Reddit, we're the howling salt mine on Reddit as well. Tag us in salty posts. Send us your salty stories either in a DM or Gmail at thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com. As always, keep those stories short, sweet, and to the salt. Of course, we have to shout out our amazing podcast artist, JD Burnett. If you guys are in Asheville, North Carolina, go hit up Devin and get a sweet tattoo from him. If, uh, if you haven't already, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, stop by and whatever you're listening on, give us a, a review or, or a rating, whichever one your podcast listening thing has that helps other people find us, uh, lets us know that you're liking what we're doing. So we appreciate that also. Yeah, love it. 
And a big thank you to Pat. Thanks for jumping on, man. And uh, oh, filling you. in for Tony and blessing us with your presence. Yeah. If you want to share your send triplets list, maybe we could throw it. And this wasn't a full deck tech or anything, but we could probably throw it up on that mox field if we, oh, if definitely. we wanted oh, to. Absolutely. Sam. I'd love to. Please feel free to critique. Let me know what you guys think and uh, tell me how much you would hate playing against. It. <laughs> <laughs> I should a put lot. my Eureka deck up there too. Yeah, you should. Should. Especially when we drop that. Yeah. Um, Pat, do you, guys... do, you, do you have anything to plug, man? Where can we find you? Do you have uh, any like magic stuff you want to plug? Yeah, I do have a couple things. So uh, you can find me Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. I'm going by Snoranges or Snoranges MTG. Snoranges MTG is pretty much only for YouTube. Uh, I'm also in the Howling Saltmine Discord. So if anybody ever wants yeah. to catch a game, ask me questions about CDH, just like talk about cards, feel free to hit me up. It's a lot of fun. And something that's important to me is always to have like something good to like listen to or watch when I'm deck building because deck building is something I do all the time. So I I'll try to make it a habit when I come on here to recommend something for that. So Ooh. this time I'm going to recommend a YouTube channel to people called Atrocity Guide. Atrocity Guide is a great YouTube channel that just talks about uh, interesting things that have happened. Um, one of my favorite examples is uh, a Japanese game show where someone was locked in a room for over a month and could only uh, gain access to things by winning magazine contests. That includes food and clothing. Oh, I, I have heard of that. That's fucking fascinating, dude. And yeah, they so, like lived fine. Like they did a good job. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting rabbit hole to jump down. Um if, if you're looking horrible. for things to yeah I'll, some of, most of the things on the channel are relatively tame um but yeah good stuff to listen to while you deck build if you're someone who's into podcasts or just someone talking oh that's awesome love it well thanks again to our prospectors for tuning in and we will see you next week stay salty and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step it's the Don't shit on Magda. Yeah, I wasn't shitting on her. I was saying Magda's like what? Yeah, tier one. Magda yeah. does die to a stray fart though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> like Marath. Oh man, who's who's all straight farts? Edit this out. It would be very funny if you if you edited it in like tainted strike. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. done that sometimes where I'm like, I'll just re-record the audio myself. And I do, and it sounds so it's so clearly Edited. different. Like the room was slightly <laughs> different, the conditions were different. It just yeah, sounds into so it. different that I'm like, I can't put this in. <laughs> it sounds so bad. <laughs>